welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. That's right. We've got a warrior on the show tonight. And if you are an etheric being on the lower astral plane or you're a ghoul and you're coming up to mess around, you better not hope you run into our next guest because she's going to hand your ass to you and you're going right back to the hell you came from. How's that for an intro? We're going to bring on the show tonight, Ms. Yona Brindis. My goodness, she's an incredible energy healer, great teacher. She is a tsunami of unconditional love, a sea of unconditional love. You better have a life jacket or you're going to drown in that unconditional love. I have no idea what I just said, but on paper, it looked pretty cool. Ms. Yona Brindis is an incredible teacher, very advanced. Her and Mr. Jeff Casper have been on our show several times. It's a great, great honor to have them. They offer a lot of very unique teachings and advancements for the soul. I mean, if you're really committed to growing your spirit and advancing your evolution, Jeff and Ms. Yona Brindis are incredible teachers to help you do that. Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Ms. Yona Brindis, energy coach, energy healer. You've heard her on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show several times. She's one of our most prolific and greatest guests. You can learn more about Ms. Yona Brindis by going to her website at transcos.com. Ms. Brindis, welcome to the program. Great honor to have you with us. Hey, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You. I always love it. (laughs) (laughs) You ask the best questions. Well, geez, now the bar is raised too high, I can only go downhill from here. (laughs) Okay, you ask me if I'm, I, I, to say stop if you, in case you ask a question that is uncomfortable for me. And I said, no problem. Okay, so now I got to um, uh, <laughs> stick to it. So go yes. ahead, throw the it. Stakes are in. <laughs> Most of the time, you know, we have you on Mr. Jeff Casper talking about energy healing. But now we really want to explore your life. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could take us back to your life in the beginning. When did you become really aware or sensitive to spirituality? When did you have your spiritual awakening? Well, of course, this is um, a very complex question, you know, because uh, we all have a different definition of spirituality. Like, for instance, I wasn't really raised in a religious way. So for me, um, to identify that I actually had spiritual experiences um, took me quite quite a while to realize that this was a spiritual experience but the experiences that I had that made me um, sort of become aware that there's something weird about me or the way I perceive things um, were mostly in the dreams and the, the visions I had as, as a very young child and um, for the most part I was uh, um, uh, having like very horrific, very violent um, dreams. I had um, a literal fear to close my eyes. Like as soon as I closed my eyes, I'd see, you know, like I don't even want to describe them. Uh, and that led to, to insomnia. Like I, I was afraid to sleep when I was so a kid. You would see this, I mean, would you call me, it's a safe to, if people want to give a visual description, would you call them the ghouls? Demonic entities, dark, yes. dark beings. Very, okay. and and at that point, I, you know, I was like I said, I didn't even have a religious background, so for me, these things had no meaning, you know, other than just being scary, you know. It wasn't like I identified it as this or that. Um, it was just uh, uh, something that 
I was really, really afraid of, and I tried to avoid that, and I couldn't talk to anyone about it. So um, what happened to me is what happened to a lot of people uh, when they were discovering or, or like, um, you know, feeling their energetic perceptivity is that I just shut it down altogether, or I just didn't go into any deeper states, which means I, I re literally refused to sleep. Later, I realized that this, you know, was just sort of an active uh, um, third eye, you know, like a, a strong perception. It wasn't so much that I felt like I had um, clairvoyance, like um, like premonitions, um, but it was more like I felt really deeply connected to to what other people uh, see, what they have experienced in the past. Kind of like in the movies, you know, when you touch someone and you're like, get all these things. So that, that was kind of like my issue, that I was feeling a person's or seeing a person's life story or that of a play. And so that, to me, um, from today's perspective, I, I would uh, probably call that sort of the beginning of, of a, um, well, what we consider to be spiritual today, um, a real sort of experience with my inner divinity um, uh, that I didn't have until I was uh, right around uh, 13. Um, I was very suicidal at the time, like between 13 and 18. And um, were, were you suicidal because of your sensitivity and because you were having a hard time processing the information or the feelings or the visions? Probably. There was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of things that I just couldn't process. And I thought I was like a lost soul like a damn damn soul like without even all this you know programming of, of you know, a sinner or anything like this I didn't even know why I just felt like there was no point for me to live there's no way I could ever sort of become a good person like make up for for these things that I had no um, Recollection or awareness of what they, you know, why they would sort of torment me, and you know and, and here I had an I had a real sort of hands-on spiritual experience with my inner light and with you know my my what I would call inner divine part of me speaking to me and literally giving me words of encouragement. Um, of uh, hope. All right. As these dark beings are going after you, mm -hmm. I'm curious to know why darkness or evil, if you would perceive it to be that, would have any interest in attacking an innocence of a child, and how would that dark, dense vibration be able to even, you know, attend to even communicate? With the child, who I would think that would be oscillating on a high vibration because they haven't necessarily been tarnished or been dealt fully with the programming of this reality. So how is it possible that those dark entities would be able to attack you or come after you? And also, did you ever get a sense that those dark beings were a direct carryover from a previous lifetime that you had just come out of? It was a carryover of the energies from a previous lifetime or lifetimes. That's a, that's a good question. Um, 
the, the whole idea of, of karma or past life uh, came, of course, much later to, into my awareness. Um, I think the main uh, uh, part of your question here, why would uh, sort of dark energies uh, be interested in or, or uh, why would they attack uh, someone who you know really you know isn't doing anything you know yeah and I think that's what most of your listeners probably have. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, I think. What could you possibly do that to, to provoke them? I know. I mean, um, I, I'll tell you the truth. I found out later that some of the things that I saw weren't really necessarily dark at all. So I, I was able to decode all that a little more um, or a little better, but. Um, the, the overall, I, um, my overall understanding, of course, is that that where there's perception, you know, you basically see things that are always there. Just because you see them doesn't mean they're not there. So just because most people don't see them doesn't mean they're not there. All right. So uh, for the most part, I think they're always there. Um, you know, and some people just perceive them more uh, clearly. Uh, the, the other thing, you know, like germs, you know, they're always around us, you know. Yeah. Before we had microscopes, we didn't know they were there, but they were, you know. So um, that's my understanding today. Um, part also is, of course, um, something that a, a very early teacher of mine told me. She said, you know, where there's light, there's shadow, you know. So wherever there's light, there's a, a sort of an attraction there um, uh, for... Um, uh, sort of darker energies to well to latch on, if you will. Um, of course, I see this more differentiated today as well. But uh, that explains to me why people who are in the sort of innocent state where they can't really deal with those experiences and, and those perceptions, why they feel so tormented. Um, this changes when a person learns how to. Um, make a stand, how uh, to deal with uh, those experiences, how to manage the, your own energy. So, but the biggest thing I found out, uh, Ryan, and I think this is good to hear for everybody else, because here in energy coaching, I I see this all the time, this shift in people when they begin to to understand that, is that as long as we're afraid, the fear is feeding it. So as long as we're afraid... Oh. You know, I'm sorry. I've got to pause you for just one second. I'm hearing kind of a swishing noise in the background or a rubbing noise. Okay. I don't know what that. Thank like you. that. I end. Yeah, that that noise, whatever that is. Hang on. Let me. That noise that you just made a second ago. That's what I'm hearing in the background. That's, I'm sorry. I, it's... Do you still hear it right now? No, I don't hear it anymore. All right. Okay. So what is, what, we'll take. A, we've wanted to start from All the top right. of that answer. Okay, I can go back to that answer. Yep, perfect, perfect. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure it comes out. I'd rather have to tell you about it at the beginning. Okay, so we'll do a countdown with a three, two, one. So as long as there's fear, um, then a person becomes more susceptible and, and less protected. And and therefore, you know, there's often... Um, uh, those of us, you know, who, who do not know yet how to deal with that, or who, who are too afraid to face it, who um, become very susceptible to it. Now, the fear can come through religious programming, can come through, you know, watching too many horror movies, can come through um, uh, things that, that we sort of 
mentally uh, absorb um, over a lifetime. So some people can really get stuck in that fear. But the main thing I found out is that some of these visions that I had that looked horrific to me, that those were parts of my energy really warding um, uh, those uh, darker energies off. And so I also had to get to that place where I accepted that I have um, parts in me that can be vicious, <laughs> <You know? laughs> literally. I mean, I, I've seen myself decapitating people. Um, Jeez. You know, like all these, like, I mean, gosh, I was a little girl, you know, <laughs> I mean... And so you're seeing visions of yourself decapitating people? Oh, gosh, yeah. Most of the visions I had was, was uh, fighting, battling, um, uh, uh, you know, sloshing, uh, you know. And that, of course, had nothing to do with my, you know, with this lifetime. Um, you did ask me, you know, if if I did come to the conclusion that there's a connection with past lives and... Uh, I agree that there probably is. Um, I do not really recommend people to spend too much energy, too much time on on dealing with their past lives, you know, because we're really here to live this life. Um, even though some of us have some karmic depth or, or some karmic aspects that, that need to be undone. Um, but what can make sense for a person and what did make sense, a lot of sense for me, is to look into... Uh, just sort of the the lineage, the karmic lineage that a person has. You know, like I uh, I was born in Iceland, you know, with a Viking heritage, and I I saw myself doing, you know, basically killing, raiding, raping. <laughs> um, and so uh, when I started to see the link there, uh, then that, all that made a lot more sense to me, and it, it was easier for me to make peace and to accept that uh, there are parts in me that. Mm, that do not necessarily have anything to do with this lifetime, but that, that's that's a load that I carry through through um, my ancestry, and I've accepted that. And, and as soon as as we accept some of these darker aspects of ourselves, uh, whether they they're linked to actual things that we did in this life or uh, things that we've inherited. Uh, some of that fear goes away. So the the, the ability to contextualize uh, some of that really helps. So for anyone who has similar experiences, like really sort of scary, horrific things um, all the time, the best thing a person can do is to educate themselves um, about, you know, some of their own lineage, some of their... um, uh, you know how energy moves um, to get to know their own energy and to get to know their own ego because that's real healing um, uh, as soon as we face our own darkness uh, the fear of outer darkness um, becomes secondary it's almost like it becomes our shield our protection if that makes sense so you're saying that by you embracing the dark or processing your shadow that the uh, the shadow aspects about you are theoretically speaking going to protect you from maybe any perceived external darkness that would be coming off another individual. Uh, maybe it would be your you know a present or residual energy that's trying to infiltrate you. Well, yeah, because uh, the the fear of our own darkness, so to speak, or the the denial, um, not not willing to accept that, 
is what creates sort of a, an electricity. It creates a charge in our energy field that attracts all kinds of, I call them shit magnets, you know, that <laughs> shit. <laughs> attracts all kinds of um, uh, things into our lives, uh, be it karmic or not, it doesn't matter. So um, and, the, uh, if we want to really connect with our inner higher power, if we really want to connect with who we truly are, then we have to learn to surrender to some of these parts that we don't necessarily like at first. So it's the shadow work part, you know, is is an important part or should be an important part in every journey because it helps to minimize that fear, the fear of, of these things that we cannot love about ourselves. And and the way this turns into our protection is that it it strengthens our energy in that way that we know who we are. It's like, you know, when you lie all the time or when you pretend all the time, you know, you become really insecure, you know, that people find out about you. So, you know, that makes your your energy weak. But if you're true to yourself and if you know where your center is, then um, by accepting, by surrendering all these things that you can't love about yourself, then you become naturally stronger. Okay. You know, I want to give you a visual example of something. Say, for example, you have the sun, and a person, and the sun would be considered the source, which is God, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. the uh, the end all be all uh, conscious being apparently that we're all a part of. So we're all connected to that sun, and an individual spirit that we perceive is a marble. Now, when you say that you ex- you saw parts of your previous lifetimes doing these horrific things, and you were experiencing pain and suffering, how do you say with certainty that those actions were attributed directly to the evolution of, say, for example, your individual marble or that individual particle going through evolutions, and that was not directly attributable to another marble within that um, source, coming from the source. Um, when you say we're processing shadow, or you're processing your own shadow, mm-hmm. at what point do you discern what is your individual particle's evolution compared to what is an experience or a shadow aspect of the entire being which comes from source? There is, uh, um, of course, several layers of karma or several <laughs> layers of, of evolution of the consciousness. And there is uh, also something that is uh, uh, sort of collectively that needs to be transcended, all right? And we all carry those parts in us. Um, it, it, I'm sure you know your listeners understand that when I talk about holographic information, like the universe is based on, is a big hologram, which means every part carries uh, the information of the whole. All right. So, as a collective, uh, humans, the human race, uh, we all have a um, evolutionary path that we need to go through, and that translates into. Uh, uh, in parts into our personal karma, into our personal liberation process. So uh, the answer to your question then is that uh, there is a direct connection between both. So if I learn um, how to liberate myself, if I learn how to find to my own source, I am actually helping or supporting um, uh, for uh, the entire collective 
evolution to do the same thing. It's like ripping a hole or, or reprogramming the entire matrix. So there is a matrix within me, and then there is a matrix um, uh, that I belong to on, on, on several uh, levels of matrix that I belong to. And um, if I connect with my own source and begin to liberate myself from all these things, you know, that I, the me, carried into this life, uh, then I'm, I'm helping the entire collective to do so and vice versa. But it is the individual that is carrying sort of this new liberated um, energy into the collective. And then um, that changes uh, the, the development of, of humanity. So I think there's an overall tendency for us uh, right now, you know, as far as like global awakening and so forth is concerned, that there's a, you know, because we observe that there's a lot of people awakening, sort of spontaneously awakening right now. So there must be, and I'm just inferring that there must be a, a, an overall collective tendency right now uh, to transcending um, uh, some of our karma, which then on the other end, of course, induces things like um, global collective shadow to come forward, which is what many interpret as, as what we are experiencing right now. Should we look at global collective shadow? And if you were going to say that, okay, well, you know, there are a lot of dark things that are happening in the world. They're coming out because the shadow's coming out. So you look at the history of humanity. It seems that humanity is always doing dark things. I mean, yeah, sure. Sure, there's some nice things. Look, you know, we, you, you do a couple spots where humanity isn't barbaric, but it seems to be a lot of dark things that are happening. If we are infinite beings, we reincarnate, we have an infinite number of lifetimes and tries, where does, the, where does it end? If the shadow is coming out, isn't this a perpetual cycle that's going to continue to, continue to repeat itself over and over again? When, at what point do we do, does humanity as a species evolve beyond experiencing the pain and suffering or regurgitating or physically manifesting this pain and suffering as part of a shadow? Where does the shadow get cleared? We, we can see this very clearly. There's a threshold. There's a there's a threshold. So um, there where um, a when a like like on a personal level, for instance, when a person uh, steps out of the collective um, and sort of takes it, his or her own karma into his own hands, uh, then there is no um, uh, dependency anymore. Then you begin uh, to really uh, um, uh, expand your energy beyond, uh, which. In, in sort of esoteric language could maybe be called as uh, sort of logging into the divine field, all right? Then there's no limitation there. Uh, humanity as such, um, uh, over the history, at, at least the recorded history, or like the one that we have available, uh, has gradually uh, uh, increased the consciousness level. And it's actually at a point right now where it's almost like flipping back and forth. It's right at that threshold where we're actually in a situation um, that we can evolve past the global shadow. The shadow is always sort of uh, linked to karma. So it, when we, as a collective, manage to step over this threshold, then we can manifest a whole new reality here. And a lot of people talk about, you know, sort of, 
a split here that, you know, some people regress and some people progress. And there is a truth in that because uh, a few people can really carry uh, a, a whole collective. But overall, the collective is at this uh, threshold right now that so many people talk about. I just don't want to make it uh, too special because it still is in the hand of each individual uh, to take self-responsibility. So it is uh, really, uh, from from my point of view, is really just a matter of reaching a critical mass, okay, one soul at a time, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. As far as this evolution goes, um, I want to just see if we can compare this evolution jump to that of an animal. Because if you look at animals, you look at horses, you look at pigs, you look at other things. I mean, you can see that animals have adapted to their environment. I guess they, they, they've adapted to uh, the surrounding areas over a number of uh, centuries. But you don't see a, you know, a pig one, one day evolving to a point where it can operate machinery or it can, uh, it can think of intelligent terms that we would think of at comparable human level, despite the fact that pigs are very intelligent. Do you think that human beings will ultimately suffer the same ceiling where we can only evolve so much because of our physical body structure, because of our brain structure, because of centuries of, let's say, pre-programmed messages that are always going to keep humanity at one level. Do you think that humanity is going to be stuck there? And I ask you that because if humanity is capable of making evolutionary jump and evolving beyond this, why haven't other species on the planet seem to not be preoccupied with the same crap that humanity is occupied with, why haven't they been able to make that big jump, evolutionary-wise? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there, uh, I want to answer the question uh, about the physical limitations. There is a physical limitation uh, in, in us humans right now to, uh, to hold, to maintain these um, higher vibrational frequencies that we need uh, to evolve into. So that is kind of like the threshold that we're at which is why so many people are experiencing um, uh, uh, these um, unexplainable, in quotation marks, uh, ascension symptoms. All right, so there is, a, there is a structural reprogramming going on in our cells. I can see that in people. Um, the, the comparison with uh, other species on the planet, like animals, can be a bit misleading because animals uh, do have a collective uh, uh, like a group soul, if you want, and it's only those animals, like say uh, our pets, that uh, uh, live in very close proximity to humans and and the human uh, consciousness that can evolve out of their uh, collective karma. So animals, for the most part, even though, you know, they just are what they are, but they don't really have a shadow, you know, they, they just, you know, a tiger doesn't have a shadow because it eats a zebra, you know, hunts a zebra, you know, that's just uh, who the tiger is. Um, that's part of its um, uh, uh, karma group, so to speak. There is no need to evolve out of that because it is perfect the way it is. As for humans um, who came into this uh, incarnation with the ability to transcend the collective karma, um, there is this uh, spontaneous emergence of, of awareness, of consciousness, of higher vibrational 
existence when a person is ready for it. So the, the, the simple answer to the question is the reason why humans do it is because they can. Okay. Or they could if they wanted to. All right. Um, I want to let you know, I think you're probably aware of this, and I'm sure people are listening aware of it. I'm a passionate um, supporter of animal rights. I, I love animals. I actually prefer animals over humans. And I, I really disdain the way human beings just torture and kill and needlessly slaughter animals uh, for, for consumption. I, I just think it's just disgusting. And I'm curious, I'm always wondering if humanity will experience something within the foreseeable future where they are no longer the supreme rulers of the planet, where there's going to be a, another biological creature that comes on and actually preys upon humans and actually balances things out. I wonder if humanity is setting itself up for um, a prolonged uh, karmic event in the future where they will be you know, preyed upon the same way humanity preys upon the other animals of the earth. Well, this depends on how you look at it, all right? Um, the fact that humans are exploiting nature, say, yep. um, that we're eating animals, that we're eating uh, plants, uh, that is only negative from a dualistic point of view. Okay. From a non-dualistic point of view where it just is, you know, where, where you just assume that the collective karma of animals is... Uh, you know, some species uh, of animals uh, to 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 agree to becoming food uh, to to other species. Uh, that the collective karma of plants um, is to be of service to uh, the the other species on this planet. Then it isn't so much a negative thing, really. What you're referring to is the. Uh, is, is the the inhumane, you know, the non-integrous um, uh, uh, way, you know, that uh, humans exploit us for consumerism and personal gain. So that's a reflection of where humanity is caught in in dualism, in you know, personal gain. Uh, if a humanity actually surpasses that threat out of dualism. And that is not an issue. Fine. I mean, you know this. Hey, you know, I'm so sorry to tell you, but I, I think you're, you're fading out right now. Oh, okay. okay. I don't know if it's the microphone that I'm using. I'm using a different microphone today. Okay. Um, if you want to start right at that last part, I mean, it's it only, it's only stopped at 10 seconds ago. That's when right. it's just start coming out. Okay, we'll do a countdown. You ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. So you know this for yourself, you know, that there are people who who have developed or have worked on their consciousness and there is a natural tendency to not w wanting to support the way animals are being treated, the, the way, um, uh, you know, becoming vegetarians or vegans. Uh, most people that I know that... that um, have a fairly high consciousness level, refrain from eating animals, but not so much uh, due to mental reasons or or because um, uh, there's uh, there, there's just an inner aversion to anything that is not integrous, that is not based on on love, not based on synergy, and so the way uh, we, we're looking at at it from different perspectives here, we're looking at. You know, is it okay for an animal to be eaten in general, um, or, or is it okay the way the industry 
um, is treating animals, and and here we we see a huge um, uh, discrepancy. The way we treat the the planet, the way we treat animals, is the problem. But that's just a result or the consequence of of us humans not being evolved enough yet. As soon as this um, uh, in our emergence of truth occurs in a person certain things are just not possible anymore so I'm not really afraid of that I mean you know anything that is bound to ego anything that is bound to dualism has a self-destruct code in it so uh, to a degree you know I agree with you you know like yes if we don't evolve out of this we're going to be doomed (laughs) to a degree you know but um, not to sound like um just uh, all positive or something, you know, um, with everything that I see, I have a lot of reasons to to believe that there is still a lot of work ahead of us, but uh, humans have that ability, and, you know, I have the, the, the privilege to work with people who choose to work on that, who choose to listen to their inner prompting and their inner truth, and there are so many people in this world who have that potential and uh, it's it's for me personally it's so hopeful to be able to work with these people and see them evolve. I know it's possible, and I believe in that. Okay, this Shona Brindis, Shona, I wanted to ask you, what happened during the course of your life when you met Mr. Jeff Casper? How did meeting him really change your life, and how did that? increase your ability to, I guess, grow spiritually? One of the, there's several layers again to that, of course, (laughs) Um, uh, looking at the circumstances under which we met and so forth, but um, I I think the the answer is pretty simple, is when you uh, live with someone, when you share a life with someone who shares the same way of seeing life, the world, uh, and others, it makes it a lot easier. So one of the big shifts in my life, uh, when uh, entering the, the the life with Jeff, was that here I was with someone who, uh, whom I could talk to, you know, who saw things the same way, especially in regards to uh, our energetic perception. Um, but I think the biggest difference this made in my life is uh, that there um, that it forced me to really uh, transcend uh, the last parts of my own dualism, um, the last parts of my ego, of uh, uh, issues that I still had with masculinity, and to really see uh, uh, Jeff as a soul, as a true self on his own journey, and that it really um, was just a bonus that we just um, happened to meet and. Then to observe what happened when two people are on this kind of journey together, uh, the synergy that comes out of that, and um, sort of the sum becomes more, or, or the, the whole becomes more than the sum of, of the two parts. So the things that we've developed um, together here as, as energy healers and the things that come out of every time we when we work together is so much more than if just me or him individually 
So um, I think uh, that's something beyond, you know, just sort of the romantic love aspect and having a child together and so forth uh, that adds uh, to the quality of a relationship is when when there is a a spiritual purpose there when when you can see that um, there is more than uh, just sort of meeting Mr. Wright or uh, wanting to be f- together forever. It, it transcends uh, uh, sort of the ego aspect of of romantic love. And so um, uh, there's a whole new level of of unconditionality that is that I was able to experience through that, which is also what I teach today. Okay, Ms. Brendan, I want to tell you that there's a difference between you. You and my wife have something in common. Uh, when I met my wife, I, I was totally ruined for totally ruined for talking to other women because there was no one else to compare it to her. <laughs> now, <laughs> and when I talk to you and I talk to Jeff, it's as if, like I couldn't really. And I, I have a hard time talking to people. Who are like saying, oh, you know, I see something in your aura, and they're just giving you the basic information. So there's like a, there's a major change in this. But what I wanted to ask you is um, the acceleration for your teachings, the things that you've learned. Do you feel that the work that you are doing? Do you feel that you are reconnecting with an ancient wisdom that humanity once held, or do you feel that the work that you are doing? It's kind of on the cutting edge of the evolution because I feel that when I read of read your work and we do these interviews, I always feel that you guys are always kind of opening up new doors or pushing forward doors that have been open, but taking it to the next level. So I'm curious to know if you if you feel that you are reconnecting or kind of pushing the envelope as far as the evolution. Quite frankly, I'm I'm not sure if uh, ancient knowledge is the right word. If I, the way I see it is it's, it's a knowing that, uh, you know, sort of from a holographic point of view, is uh, accessible to all of us. Uh, when I work, Ryan, um, uh, I, it is not me, you know, the me-me that works. Um, it is a part of me that has access to this, this knowing, um, and that is always there, all right? So, uh, the, the, yeah, the first answer to... to or the, the 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 answer to your first question is yes, that is um, what I'm accessing. Uh, okay. The second question is if we push it, definitely. I mean, uh, uh, Jeff and I both have a scientific background. We both uh, uh, have done extensive research, and uh, there is a part of me, of course, that also wants to uh, really. Um, develop something that that becomes um, sort of a new technology. Whatever I have done in my life uh, has always been on that level. I've, I've always been involved in things that, you know, sort of 10, 20 years before they became mainstream. So that is uh, sort of my personality. That's, that's, that's an ego part of me that comes in there where I'm really interested in this. Like besides... Uh, you know, sort of tapping into my knowingness, uh, there's a part of me that also wants to, uh, you know, like, I don't know, I guess prove to the world this is, <laughs> that it's real. This is real. And I teach people how to do the same thing. I duplicate myself over and over again. Or not myself, but you know what I mean, right? My, my abilities. I duplicate them over and over again. I don't think they're special. 
I think everybody can do this, and I think that um, this is w where we all need to go, at least those who feel prompted to go there. Will you look at somebody who has a greater awareness of spirituality, greater awareness of their infinite self? Do you think that is a telltale sign of a soul that is on one of its last lifetimes as a human being? Because if you look at the foundation of what a human being is, I mean, you're basically an animal. You experience a lot of things in the physical. A lot of things, times you're bound by the physical body. If you look at the previous um, evolutions of humanity, it seems a lot of people probably were not aware of the idea of a higher self or did not see themselves as part of one collective, human, uh, one collective being. So do you find that people who are taking a very passion to this could be spirits or likely spirits to be on their way out to the next evolution? Well, here there is a, there's a judgment in this question, and that is that it's a bad thing to incarnate. Um, yeah. You know, and and I understand this is a very common um, uh, understanding of karma that it that it's uh, solely tied to 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 karmic death or to to an undoing of some sort. But not all souls come here because they have karmic debt. Not all souls are here because they need to, uh, you know, go through the karmic wheel over and over again. And they just look. They're they're just waiting for absolution or for uh, relief of that uh, some souls also come here to be of service uh, at certain times and um, it's not necessarily a bad thing you know uh, to be here but I, I know where you're coming from with this question and um, what I the, the way I see it is that someone who does have this prompting like myself I mean I have these thoughts about sort of relativity and um, you know, I remember when I was six years old, I was experiencing timelessness. And, and I was that. It's incredible. <laughs> you know, it's just. And most people are playing with Barbies at six years old. What's Yona doing? Ah, I'm experiencing timelessness. You know, I was doing experiments with my sister where I had to <laughs> stand next to me with a stopwatch. And, like, you know, um, uh, I don't want to go deeper into this because this is not something I recommend doing. But uh, oh, I'm curious. Wait, what did you do? You. you how did you experience that? Somehow, I do not recall how this came about, but I somehow uh, found out that I can make myself faint. And, <laughs> and when I made myself faint, or when I fainted, I had these like really lucid experiences. And I thought this was so interesting. And so I had my sister stand next to me because um, when I was in these states, which of course I do not recommend uh, repeating that, um, I... I literally had visions of entire lifetimes wow. and I had my sister stop it the, the watch because I wanted to know how long I was actually gone for and um, and when I woke up it was like one or two seconds and that was like sort of the first uh, experience that I can remember where I realized that my perception of time is completely subjective and that it has nothing to do with uh, that, that that it's not a constant, so that I can experience an entire lifetime in two seconds, and that's uh, that followed me around quite a while. And whenever it came to like physics, because I was in, in college for a long time, uh, you know, whenever I came to, I had a really clear understanding of that. I knew what that felt like, um, and so I think. Uh, it's it's the reason why I have no problems with wrapping my mind around retrocausality and entanglement and so forth because I know what that feels like in me. 
Um, and I, today I tried to explain that to people. But I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing to be here, you know. I think that our job is kind of like to 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 make the best of it. And those who have that prompting to evolve spiritually, you know, to evolve their consciousness, to connect with that inner higher power and really tap into source, um, I think they do this either because they can or because it serves a certain purpose, even if it's just uh, becoming a role model or a beacon of light for somebody else. If a person complains about their evolution, complains and say, ah, you know, life sucks and mm -hmm. why am I here? And they get all upset because, you know, some people have a legitimate gripes. I mean, who knows when they came in for and they said, you know, what my higher self says, hey, you know, we're going to come experience all these wonderful things and we're going to be abused and all this stuff and it's going to be great, you know, because your higher self <laughs> just doesn't have any perception. Yeah, you come and you're experiencing it and you're like, oh, God, your life's like, will you say that? Are you, are you insulting and kind of causing blasphemy? to well, your higher self and your greater evolution? Is that, in one way, shape, or form, are you kind of tarnishing and diminishing your power? To begin the presentation, press the start broadcast um, button oh. on the GoToWebinar control panel. You can hear, oh, hear what I think. Attendees yeah, I can hear it. This system hear. will notify you once you begin I'm your broadcast. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Okay, you, you're going to have to, to re <laughs> rephrase your question. The, the, sorry. Go to meetings like ask a definite question. <laughs> well, I'm being logged into the webinar that is starting now, so like the okay. I'm holding it, so they have to wait. <laughs> oh, jeez, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. That's a, that's okay. Your last question was really cool, but I think you have to repeat it now. Sure. Right. Miss Yona. Oh, sorry, Miss Brindis. There are some people who curse their existence and say, "Ah, oh, you know, life sucks. Life really sucks." And may I sort of do the fact that. When they were their higher selves, they decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a lifetime where we're experiencing physical reality where I'm abused and I'm an orphan and all these horrible things are going to happen to me. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. It's going to be good for my evolution. Yet you get here as a human being and you are that human being conscious. You realize full well, oh, my goodness, my higher self was obviously taking PCP when it decided to give me this, uh, you know, this mm. great life. I'm curious to know. If you curse your evolution and you say you know, life sucks and even if you attempt your, to take your life, are you tarnishing or are you causing blasphemy to your spiritual goal? And, and also, if you're saying that life sucks and you're not happy to be here, are you actually diminishing your capability of physically manifesting happiness and joy? Yeah, uh, definitely yes to the latter. But um, this is a serious thing because uh, it is very, very difficult to, to contextualize those negative experiences for most of us so it does take a little bit of work um to tune yourself into that place where you can begin to see purpose in suffering and purpose in pain that does require a spiritual um uh, alignment we cannot with our mind or our emotion um get past that and so I understand, you know, when, when someone says that, because it, on that level um, of, of just sort of really wrapping your mind around why, had, why did I have to endure so much pain or why, still, why do I still have to endure so much pain is not possible. 
So a spiritual um, evolution then happens when we allow this um, higher power part to become uh, uh, the observer of our experience so that we become the, the observer and the experiencer and the witnesser at the same time and then that allows us to contextualize things um this is some of the, the <clears throat> some of the questions you ask line they're really cool but that there's two different answers to them depending on where a person is at see when i'm in pain when i'm in my when i'm caught in my mind and my emotions um there's no way to solve pain there's no way to to not get angry or frustrated or helpless about pain but when um, I have or when I'm able to connect with my higher power when I'm able to connect with that part of me that can be the observer and the experiencer at the same time I begin to see different things but it's like trying to explain um, what it's like to have kids to someone who doesn't have kids um, it is you, we cannot see this until we embrace that spiritual alignment into our lives. So someone who does not believe in a higher power will probably not be able to manifest a life uh, that uh, can give a higher purpose or a higher, con you know, like a, a, a context to the pain that the person, the suffering the person is experiencing. And this is by all these um, uh, sort of... Uh, these techniques or these uh, traditions that um, that come through religions or spiritual teachings are all based on bypassing the mind. They're all based on silencing the mind, silence, silencing emotions and the ego so that we can access that part in us that can see the larger context. Ms. Princess, when you, Mr. Casper, do your remote healings and you really work with people, is there something common that you notice about people who are getting the healings done for the very first time? Are there certain qualities and shadow aspects that you find a lot of people are currently carrying? And there's a second part to that question is when you often do your remote healings for the very first time, what are some of the immediate things that a person will notice about themselves that you commonly hear? You mean what they experience themselves about themselves? You what they experience themselves, but also because you visually, I just want to remind uh, give people a quick um, background. There, Yona and Jeff are able to visually see the codes of a soul the same way scientists look at DNA. So if you look at DNA, you can actually see it structure by structure. And apparently, they're able to look at the soul structure by structure and look at it and see uh, what aspects of it I guess are having light or darker you know, unresolved matters when you're looking at this soul visually speaking what are you noticing are some of the common things that a person will have who get, who get your um, healing done for the first time there, or, is there, or is it just is it varies it's too much of a variable uh, it's very individual of course but, but you're right there are certain um, things that, that we see sort of as, as patterns like maybe not in the same order but there are certain things that that everybody kind of has to go through. The, um, as far as like the subjective experience of of uh, remote energy sessions is concerned, 
um, it, it, the most common experience is that people begin to be able to feel, to feel themselves, to feel their heart. And that in itself, you know, Ryan, is a huge one because most of us are so disconnected from ourselves without even knowing it that um, a lot of the, 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 the sufferings or the, the things that we experience maybe physically or in our relationships or so that we perceive as negative, they're just sort of the consequence of not really being connected with ourselves, not really knowing who we truly are. So one of the most common experiences is, is that people begin to feel themselves. And then is, of course, uh, the, the, uh, a learning process there, the discernment between uh, feelings, emotions, sensations. Um, that is probably sort of the first big shocker for people, is that they begin to feel all these different things that they've never even sort of thought about. And then um, uh, they will experience the, uh, the limitations of their own mind. They will begin to experience their own thinkingness and and, yeah. and how vicious <laughs> their own mind is, critical inner voice and so forth. So this is all. These are all things of or signs of a person's consciousness um, uh, evolving, of their sort of uh, energetic, their vibrational rate rising as they begin to see more they begin to perceive more and this can also and this is the other part of this work that is very common in the beginning lead to some of the things some of the layers that are around our heart that kind of prevent us from connecting with and to come forward and this can be a bit uncomfortable at times so one of the common things all right uh, now i'm talking sort of our our end of of, of doing energy work. Uh, one of one of the very common things is that um, that a person's energy, of course, without them knowing, without them being aware of it, and, and even meaning to do so, but that a person's energy will, for example, try to attack us uh, because we are sort of bypassing the ego's safety guards. All right, and that leads to an instantaneous. Uh, protection or instantaneous defensiveness so that that's very common for us to be actually viciously to become viciously attacked by by the people that we work with uh, energetically but we just, and you thought that you had a nine to five job that wasn't <laughs> good you know you you know boss give you have you people you're working with they're attacking you yep but we're not telling them this because that would of course just cause guilt you know <laughs> and this is a normal thing we understand that mechanism um, another thing is that, of course, um, and you mentioned this earlier, it's very difficult to communicate some of the things in this area, and that's sort of part of, of our expertise. You know, one part is to, to be able to see this, um, uh, but another part is to be able to communicate that with the person, you know, and to uh, really translate that, to transcode that. That's where the word transcode comes from to transcode that into a language that a person can actually begin to work with that. So uh, uh, some of the things, uh, some of the common things here besides shadow um, is definitely uh, uh, all the, uh, uh, the, the past-related things that a person is, has not fully processed yet uh, because they often... Um, uh, create these these clouds, these layers around their hearts. Why why they had to shut down 
um, feeling themselves in the first place. And so it, it's it's very um, it's it, you know it's very moving uh, uh, to to do this work because we begin we we see people beginning to really making peace within. All right, and so um, I can't even tell you you know uh, what uh, this inner work can do for people. And it's not again I want to emphasize that it's not what I do. It's not what Jeff does. It's it's us facilitating um, the person's own self-corrective and self-healing abilities it, by facilitating them becoming able to connect with their inner source, with their inner higher power. So we are just like sort of the well, we are the ushers, you know. We hold we we hold the the, the we greet them, we hold the room, we keep the room safe, and and we give them that space. Um, to do this work, and so the real miraculous thing is this: the uh, are these spontaneous healings that can happen through just a person beginning to connect with their own heart. Miss Yona Brindis, energy coach, energy healer, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. To learn more about Miss Yona Brindis, please go to our website at transcodes.com. Also, please feel free to go to our archives. Type in Yona's name. You're going to find four or five shows of her and Jeff on. Fantastic. Really love having you. Miss Yona, Brendan, thank you so much for being with us today. It was a real pleasure. Great honor. Thank you, Ryan. It's such an honor for me to be here. So, yes. Thank you, everybody, for your time listening. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, Miss Constance Stellas. You can learn more about Miss Constance Dallas. Get your own chart done with Miss Constance Dallas by going to your website at ConstanceDallas.com. Miss Dallas, what can you tell us about the chart of Miss Yona Brindis? Well, it's a powerful chart, first off. By power, I mean concentrated energy. And um, I would say unusual in the sense that she has a, a flexibility between um, business and healing. Um, sometimes those talents don't go together, but they do in her chart. She's a Pisces, which automatically puts her in the realm of, of dreams and energy uh, sensitivities. Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac, and when someone uh, incarnates into that um, sign of Pisces, Sometimes they're almost finished their journey. By that I mean um, to, to not reincarnate again. But usually the challenge is to be um, connected to the earth and also the heavens or less tangible energies. So she is a natural channeler or transmuter of energy. Um, so I don't know if she channels, but, but I think she does remote work, which in effect is sending energy over a uh, physical distance. Um, now, her rising sign is Scorpio, and she also has Mars in Scorpio. So that's a, a tremendous uh, energy position and transforming energy position. And she has been doing this for lifetimes, sometimes successfully, sometimes getting a little bit sticky. Uh, by that I mean uh, into situations that perhaps she did not foresee. It happens to all of us. 
Um, and the the uh, moon position of her chart is Aquarius, which is um, actually the new moon today is in Aquarius. That's kind of a cosmic coincidence. Um, but that is a very fixed and uh, forward, uh, avant-garde uh, emotional position. By that I mean she can um, easily understand and work with ideas that other people would say, what? Are you kidding me? And um, she, she, she does this very um, uh, steadfastly. Uh, there's stubbornness in the chart. Uh, which is a good thing. So I bring it up because when you're involved with translating um, energies, transmuting energies, you have to keep your grounding and um, not uh, swim around in other people's uh, dimensions and uh, problems and energetic situations. So uh, that, I think, stands her in, in, in good stead. Um, I think that her combination, because I read she was a chemist as well as a business person and now uh, has, um, is working in, in trans modes of, of um, uh, energy healing, uh, that that's going to evolve and that perhaps she will find um, most of her career being as a public speaker or as a person who is spreading light on um, topics and uh, ways that we can heal that are, are not traditional. Um, so she's coming up to big eclipse, actually, in February. Um, so I'm not sure where she is on the globe, but she may be moving uh, in the next year or so. And um, I think that this year will be very – you know what I think about this year? For her personally, it's going well. Um, but she's in the vanguard of, of what a lot of people are calling, you know, uh, expanding consciousness. And uh, she has the um, uh, fortitude – to help with these um, uh, expansions uh, on an individual level, on a group level, and just by being who, who she is. So I, I think we'll hear more from her in the future. Excellent. And Ms. Dallas, do you feel that right now, if you're looking at her chart, that she has fulfilled most of her potential or the best days ahead, or ahead of her? Not by a long shot. The best okay. days are ahead of her because um, she is becoming more tuned into this healing modalities rather than a, a let's say, a business or a background within sciences. And the world is keeping, well, the world is not keeping pace. The world should be keeping pace, but it is not. But she, she can um, uh, help move herself and other people forward. I read that she's studying at a uh, University of Sedona. And, you know, Sedona in Arizona is known as a vortex of energy. So <laughs> when, you, when you hang out there, your consciousness and mind expansion, soul, spirit, everything is, uh, is expanding at warp speed. So she may want to take a break, you know, and and uh, I don't know, study cooking for a while. But, but <laughs> no, that's just a. Just, but but um, the potential for things um, um, 
moving very quickly uh, for her uh, definitely is uh, is there. Miss Constance Sellis, the Astro Phenom. That was a real great thorough analysis. Thank you so much. My pleasure. To Thank you. And to learn more about Miss Constance Sellis, get a reading with done with Miss Constance Sellis. Please go to our website at constancesellis.com. Thank you so much, Miss Sellis. Sure, sure. Joining us now is the queen of the universe, internationally respected psychic media, Miss Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and get a reading done with Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about the energy you felt from this Yona Brindis? I've had the pleasure of meeting Yona and Jeffrey Casper several times, and so um, it really is a pleasure. Yona has that warrior energy, and I loved listening to the interview, Ryan. I thought your questions were spot on, and I thought it was really interesting some key points that she said as far as um, that she, when she was younger, she'd have horrific dreams and, and uh, fighting, slashing, seeing her, you know, decapitated or, you know, those kind of things, and just horrifying dreams, like the hell works, to the point where she was insomniac. And then after she understood, so she shut down. That's a lot of people's story, right? So her own story I see as the um, somebody that's very, very strong, strong. She's very tall physically but energetically. She comes in with a sword up in the air, and that means to me as far as timing for her personally and for her and Jeff as far as the business from now and over the next three years, it's time for them to really cut through, let's say, a lot of uh, red tape or cut through even duality. Emotion and mind create literally uh, holes through the matrix to help people cross the bridge so they could go beyond mind and emotion to get to that place of where I call the sacred heart. So um, she's a warrior for sure. And then just quickly say in the past life for her to um, come from Iceland, from the energetic history of the Vikings and really having to look at, this is my energetic history. It's important for us to look at that, but not to live in it, because really our lesson, especially this lifetime, if not all lifetimes, is to be able to be in the now, you know, forgive ourselves, look at our shadow, all the messages that she and Jeff are sharing, give keys for people to break through the matrix. I literally see keys going out of their heart, and when I see the symbol of skeleton keys, that means the individual has the ability to go into the person's um, closet, skeleton closet, unconscious, subconscious patterns, unlock them, and as soon as they turn it, the energy turns uh, into a bold key. And she said another key thing where they're the ushers, her and Jeff are the, like the midwives, the birthers, and that the, the person has to kind of turn, put their energy into it and turn it. You just can't go to a healer and say, heal me. You hear it all the time. I hear it all the time, right? And sure, you could tune up a person, they could feel great, and they could go on, but they the energy is self-regulating, self-directing, so they have to put their energy into it, too. Like you just showed me before, that energy work is a handshake. you got to meet us. Um, you got to put your energy into it, an extension. It's not, you know, praying on our knees, please, please come up and lift me up, you know. So um, she's got a strong message. And I didn't know that she had a science background. I, I, I knew Jeff did, but I didn't know Young did, too. So that's very cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that's when, when they speak, and they, they really do, I mean, they, they, they speak, and they really provide a lot of background and backup for what their work is. I was right. always wondering, uh, Yona, Yona, Yona and I have talked about her previous past lives, 
And mm. did you ever sense that some of the work that she's doing right now could be to make up for a past life where maybe she killed a bunch of people? She's like, you know what? I whacked yeah. out a bunch of people. And yeah. now yeah. what I'm doing is that I'm healing those people I whacked out. Yes, yes. One in particular, what I call it, Ryan, is a lot of times I'll see what looks like a wave in the person's energy field, like this little, uh, like a tidal wave kind of point. And it, that means to, me, means to me that they come in with an energetic, I'm doing air quotes here, hangover. So I know that individual has is come into this incarnation to in particularly heal that one because it has to do with major life issues. And this is what I call right to life issues, and that does have to do with entitlement, worthy, worthiness, and all that kind of stuff. In the lifetime in particular that I see that she's here to work on or that has that hangover energy is where she was a male. There was a lot of um, that Viking kind of energy where they just would go into towns and just rob, rape, do, you know, they just took over, right? And that she was very good. She was a very good leader. She was um, very much thought that they were doing the right thing, you know, and, um, and she had a lot of power in that lifetime. And she gained a lot of power and gained a lot of land. I keep on seeing that uh, movie on FX that's called Vikings. The guy's really cute. He's got beautiful blue eyes. And she looks kind of like him. And so um, that lifetime in particular is what she was dreaming about when she was little. I also thought it was fascinating that she shared, um, Ryan, that, that 13 to 18 years old, after she shut down, that she felt suicidal. And you hear that a lot with people that are very empathic and sensitive, that they go through a really severe depression or anxiety or suicidal period and that when I was looking at her energy during that time in particular when she was 13 or 14 her right shoulder was up in the air the left shoulder was down almost like somebody with a stroke right and her left hand was like literally hanging down so she wasn't taking in enough energy and there's she had these um it looks like these uh Blocks on her shoulders that hold a lot of guilt, a lot of uh, shame, and what is my responsibility in this lifetime? So going back to the, the feminine goddess energy that has a sword up, she's here to help people cut through the ties, forgive their self. And, and I think it's a good reminder for all of us. Well, we all have not had lifetimes where we were all floating on angels and we're saints, you know? Um, we've had some lifetimes where we did not do the greatest things. And that's a hard thing for people to swallow, especially in the new age world where they don't want to hear about that. You know? Yeah, they want to hear everything's so, wonderful. Oh, we're all special. There's no yeah, evil. Exactly. Exactly. You wonder why you're, you're nice? Because you killed people. That's what it is. You're going exactly. To you exactly. Nice <laughs> you know, uh, you were Hitler's, Hitler's right command. Oh, shit. You know, um, people do not like hearing that. But that is the beginning of the shadow work. That's where Stuart Wilde would always talk about. The, the whitey tighties where everything had to be white and, and clean and spiritual. And then we used to say, go drink some wine and shake your energy up a bit. You know what I mean? That purist is just another form of duality, right? My way, highway, it's just in a, in a different form. So um, I, I really like, love her energy. I miss her. I would really like to go down and see, um, we got a range of get together around where we'll go down and see them or they can come up and see us or, um, that's and right, and then we'll, then you'll everyone else will know about it by watching the news, and they'll say, oh, oh, so that's what happened this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> the town sunk. <laughs> that's right, Miss Carrie O'Connor, the queen of the universe, an internationally respected psychic medium. You have to get a reading with Miss O'Connor, please. I implore you to learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor. Please go to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, thank you so much for your time for your analysis. 
Thank you, Ryan. It's always my pleasure. Love you. Too. Okay, everyone, that concludes tonight's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guest and energy healer, healing the world, Miss Yona Brindis. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening.